It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson. The most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong. Instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome, I am Kim Munson, and we've got a great show planned for you today. Excited to have in studio with me one of my uh, advertising or partners, and that is Jason McBride. It's great to have you here. Always honored to be here, Kim. And uh, you are with Presidential Wealth Management. And we are doing a really fun event. I am so excited about it next uh, next Monday night. It's nuts and bolts. It's the tools to uh, be successful as far as your own personal economy. And it's going to be over at Water's Edge Winery. Uh, Jen Hewlin, I've done a lot of different events with her over there. And it's always an interesting, special evening. So I'm excited to do this with you, Jason. Yeah, it should be a good time. And uh, Kim, we plan to do these a couple times a year with uh, different subjects. This first one will be about some old market adages, which ones are just old wives' tales, no offense intended, (laughs) and which ones might hold some water and how it could help you maybe improve your results and reduce your risk too. So uh, it should be a fun evening. We've got a fellow named Jeffrey Hirsch coming. He's the editor of the Stock Traders Almanac. Uh, That thing's been around forever and ever and ever. And uh, Jeff's just an interesting guy. He's from New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been on Bloomberg, Fox News, CNBCs all over the place. I said, well, you're finally breaking through to the big time. Well, that's for sure. And, you know, Jason, I think you know this, but um, when I came to Colorado, uh, I initially worked at a bank for a couple of years, and then I worked on a stock trading desk. And that was back in the days where you had a line to each of the trading desks throughout the country. And uh, most of them went back to New York. And so I have a real appreciation for New Yorkers. Yeah, you know, yeah. Forget about it. Yeah, people say they're rude. I think they're actually very, very nice. They just, uh, Kurt, they're going to tell you how it is. So I think New Yorkers are actually very, very nice. Well, and speaking of that, tomorrow is uh, 9-11. Yes. And uh, back back right around that time, I've also been in the women's clothing business for many years. And I would go back to New York on a regular basis. So I went back in January. Um, so that was, what, four months after uh, 9-11. And I went down to uh, where the Trade Center you know, had been. And uh, I, I was actually a little nervous about going back. And um, I realized New Yorkers, they were ready to rebuild their city, and they were proud of their city. And a lot of people stayed away for a while because, I mean, we were just all on edge. We just Mm -hmm. didn't know what was going on. But I went down to the the Trade Center site, and, you know, it truly is sacred ground. And um, but I just remember a cab driver just so he was so he was a New Yorker. Yeah, but he was uh, he was really nice. And so I'm excited about having Jeff come in next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'll be a great, great time. And uh, Kim, I remember that, too. I actually ended up in, in New York just a, maybe a week after that happened. Really? And it was uh, people couldn't go down there, but you could get a couple blocks away. And it was it was kind of uh, bizarre. You it know, was. it was unsettling because. 
you know, when you're down there at night, you know, they had all the lights on, lighting up the side, and you could still see all the dust in the air. Um, you know, the strange thing uh, that, that kind of struck me was, yeah, probably three, four, five, and you could still smell the air. It smelled like wet cement. And, really? and it was just really told you, boy, this is, you're in, kind of inhaling what used to be part of the World Trade Center because you could still smell that smell of cement in the air. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, what a what a great city. The people were nice, uh, very fast paced. Uh, if you ever need, uh, you know, to skip your cardio for the day, just grab a cab ride in New York. That'll get your heart racing. And uh, yeah, it was, but it was a great trip. Been there three or four times. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, tomorrow uh, will be the... Um I don't know if the anniversary is the right word of 9-11, but uh, just, a, I mean, I think we can all remember where we were at that particular point in time. But it's great to have you here, you. and it's going to be really fun and have Jeff Hershen next week. And so you do need to register for that. And so you can go to chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Or you can go to my website, americhicks.com. And sign up there, and uh, we'd love to. It's going to be a really fun evening, so excited about that. Uh, we're also going to be talking with Kevin Sorbo in the second segment. He is the keynote speaker at uh, Grand Lakes U.S. Constitution Week, which will be starting next Monday. And at the end of the week, on the 20th, on Friday, uh, there will be a meet and greet that evening. I'm going to be going up for that. And then on uh, the 21st, on Saturday, is the main event. There is a parade. He will speak. I'm the MC for that. Uh, there will be a, a fabulous uh, music festival, and the Kansas City Barbecue uh, Society is going to be in doing a competition. And uh, so we're going to give away four tickets. The value is $300, and we will draw tomorrow after the show. Uh, so four people to get VIP tickets to the Friday night event and the uh, Saturday VIP seating. And so if you are interested in signing up for that, again, go to my website, americhicks.com, and you can sign up for that. So let's jump in here, though, as we are t- looking at each of these issues. Jason, it's freedom versus force, force versus freedom. You are a freedom guy. Oh, absolutely. I don't like to be forced to do anything. Uh, I'd rather choose to do something. And I think that pretty much everybody really feels the same way. Uh, Even if you're those that are thinking about voting for socialism, I can't imagine that they want to be forced to do anything. Can you, Kim? I I really don't think so. And socialism ultimately comes down to force. And, you know, Jason, if something's a really good idea, then you probably don't really need to force people. Well, what's the old saying? If socialism's so great, why does it have to be mandatory? You got it. Yeah. yeah. So we look at each of these issues as force versus freedom, freedom versus force. And one of my friends had reached out. She said that, Kim, it probably would be great if in each of these you can actually you know, give examples of freedom versus force. Because I think people think, well, gosh, I'm, I'm not really being forced on things. So we're going to continue to work to kind of peel that out for folks on that. So we are seeing a continual here in Colorado, a socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And uh, so we will continue to push back on these things because government is supposed to get out of the way. They're actually supposed to to make it easier for us to go after our hopes and dreams, our life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And when they're socializing transportation, education, energy, housing, and water – they're actually taking away many of our options on that and making things more expensive. So we will continue to look at that. want to say thank you to Steve, the producer. Steve, it's great to have you here. Do you have your coffee? 
I need more. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you here running the boards, and thank you to the rest of the team, Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie, for your support and your good work. And thank you to each of you listeners out there as well. You are treasured, you are valued, you have a purpose, and so go out and do it today. So let's jump in here. Our inspiration, since you were in studio, I thought, Jason, I would, who would I go to for our inspiration and our quotes today? And, you know, Thomas Sowell is a great economist. Uh, he, he's out at the Hoover Institute in Stanford. And um, one thing when um, one of my kids was coming back from college, he was studying economics of uh, Paul Krugman, who is more of a Keynesian. Uh, and, and believes in more and more taxes, and um, that really doesn't work that well. Thomas Sowell is a real free market guy. And so, because you were going to be here, I thought that's who I'm going to go to for our quotes today. Okay, well, thank you. So Thomas Sowell, he said, Freedom has cost too much blood and agony to be relinquished at the cheap price of rhetoric. Okay. Yes, that's... Uh, uh Profound. Very profound. Mm-hmm. And then I also, I thought this was kind of funny. Steve, I... <laughs> my, Which means? <laughs> maybe, maybe you might not, but uh, I have... Well, I'll just give you the quote. The least productive people are usually the ones who are most in favor of holding meetings. That's Thomas Sowell. What do you think? I got to I gotta agree. And, and Jason, you're still in corporate America. I've kind of been uh, <laughs> blessed to be out of it, but... I vividly remember back in my airline days going to a meeting where we were going to discuss the schedule for future meetings. And, you know, the obvious <laughs> was that you realize we're having a meeting to have more meetings. Yeah. And I remember when I was on city council, there was meeting after meeting after meeting. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where it, it felt like sometimes you were just having meetings just to have meetings. And uh, so anyway, I thought that was very profound. So let's jump in here. I wanted to just make a few comments. I hadn't really watched this whole Sharpie Gate thing with Donald Trump. Apparently, he somebody had used a Sharpie and encircled Alabama and said that Hurricane Dorian was going to hit Alabama. And apparently, President Trump <clears throat> said something about that. And um, my gosh, I guess a number of the weather people uh, were just up in arms that he could be wrong about that. And uh, then the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration came out and said that actually, initially, they thought maybe it was going to hit there and that President Trump wasn't wrong. Well, oh, my gosh, uh, there was a tremendous blowback. This is from um, USA Today. And I do want to make just a comment. When I first saw this, I saw this in the Denver Post. It was in Sunday's Post. Mm -hmm. Jason, when I tried to Google that article, I could not find it um, from the Denver Post. And I went to the Denver Post site, and I could not find it. Wouldn't it be nice in real life if you could just delete all of your mistakes before people read them or saw them? <laughs> That's for sure. So, But anyway, um, well, and my point on that is, is I just thought it was odd that I couldn't find that article because it basically came out and said that Donald Trump was not wrong, that in fact at some point in time, they weren't sure where it was going to hit. They thought it might hit Alabama. And so imagine this. Monica Medina, a former top official at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, who served in the administrations of former presidents Barack Obama and Bill Clinton, said the statement will make us less safe as a country. 
Bill Reed, who became director of the National Hurricane Center director during the Republican George W. Bush administration, said on Facebook, the NOAA statement showed either an embarrassing lack of understanding of forecasting or a lack of courage on their part by not supporting the people in the field who are um, actually doing the work. It's heartbreaking. So in essence, um, what uh, is going on here is you've got, um, you know, uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration came out and said that President uh, Trump was not wrong. And then you've got all these other kind of former bureaucrats that are saying that, um, you know, how dare they do that? And how often are all these weather people normally right? I mean, aren't they wrong every once in a while, Jason? Well, I think they are. And, you know, in fact, I saw that they had showed uh, the initial maps that they were looking at that uh, President Trump had seen earlier that morning. There were all kinds of lines on that map of the possible trajectory of Dorian. And no, they weren't drawn with a Sharpie. These were official maps that showed it was possible that uh, that hurricane could have uh, touched Alabama. And uh, Trump just hadn't been updated with the new info and the new trajectory at the time that he gave the speech and made the comment. And give me a break. This is just another one of those ones, Kim, where they want to say, well, there's another one of his 10,000 lies that we'll add to the list. It's ridiculous, uh, you know, to, to blow up. Well, you know what? I, I don't need to say it. We've all heard it. Uh, to, but to go on and on and on and just pick away at something like this, it, it's silly. Well, and I think, I actually think, Jason, that everyday hardworking people are starting to see this and say, wait a minute. You know, we've got, we've got real things that we should be concerned about, real problems that we need to be solving. And so that is what we need to be doing. But to my point, how many times has the weather forecast been wrong? And we just know that that happens. It does happen. And uh, so here's these people that are weather forecasters, and they are all over uh, President Trump because he, you know, he had, an, had not had an updated map. But it's, they're being so self-righteous that they're right all the time. The, one other thing I want to say is yeah. if they can't get it right – you know, at that particular point in time, how the heck do they think that they're going to tell us what the temperature is going to be in 100 years? I have no idea, but somehow they seem to be able to predict that. But you're right, trying to predict the path of an unpredictable hurricane and for for Trump to just tell the people of Alabama, just be careful because it could hit. He was being very, very responsible because uh, he knew that nobody could predict which way it was going to go. And I think it shows that these people, these folks are really disingenuous about uh, what, what they really care about. So let's go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Kevin Sorbo uh, quickly. He's going to be the keynote up at U.S. Constitution Week on the 21st. And uh, this is Kim Munson. We'll be right back. At Hooters, you can watch the games with all your buddies. And when your buddies are the world-famous Hooters girls, there's always plenty of ice-cold beer and those craveable wings that'll knock your taste buds into next Tuesday. Hooters girls know plenty about football, but we really know the fans who live for it. So hang out with all your buddies all season long at Hooters, your official hangout for game day. Catch all the games at Hooters and enjoy a butter Bud Light draft with 10 boneless wings, just $10. Dine for two with the pitcher and nachos, just $20. 
You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. All Americhicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the Americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Americhicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at Americhicks.com. That's Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. I'm very excited to have on the line with me Kevin Sorbo. Kevin, you, uh, you're you going to be the keynote speaker up at U.S. Constitution Week in Grand Lake this uh, in a couple of weeks here. I am. This is a true story. You uh, you were very instrumental in getting me there, so I appreciate that. Well, I'm pretty excited about it. They're pretty excited about it as well. Have you ever been to Grand Lake? I have not. I went online, checked it out. It looks beautiful. And uh, I've spent a lot of time in Colorado and around a lot of places from you know, Colorado Springs, the Steamboat, is actually in Steamboat Springs at the Summit Conference there, that film festival, my, uh, my latest movie, Miracle in East Texas, uh, won Best Movie there, which is pretty cool, and uh, Telluride as well, and, and, and obviously Snowbath. I've done a lot of skiing in both those places. Well, you are in for a real treat, and it's going to be a real taste of Americana. They have a parade on Saturday down Main Street, and the Kansas City Barbecue is going to be having, uh, Kansas City Barbecue Society is going to be having a competition. There's going to be a fabulous uh, music festival. You are the keynote speaker, and what are you going to be talking about, Kevin? Well, you know, they wanted, they said they got the, you know, a lot of experts speaking through the week, really, on the Constitution. And, uh, they wanted me to be there, sort of be a little, little more entertaining value, sort of tell my story and uh, how that works into uh, my my belief in the Constitution and what made America great in the first place. And uh, I will I will definitely bring up uh, a freedom of speech because I am in Hollywood, and they're, they're as you know, not only curtailing across the country, but they're certainly curtailing a freedom of speech within Hollywood as well. So. I'll work it in how that how that has affected me in a good or and or bad way. So I'm looking. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's it's uh, I've kind of mixed up the speech quite a bit from what I normally do. Well, I'm excited about that. So on Friday evening, the twentieth. Uh, there will be a meet-and-greet with you. It's a ticketed event, and we're actually doing a drawing. We're giving away four tickets to that uh, event, and if people are interested, they can go to my website, americhicks.com, and they can sign up for the drawing. We'll draw it tomorrow after the show. and Or wait, uh, excuse me, next week after the show. I'm, I'm all mixed up on my dates here, so it'll be next Wednesday after the show, so people have extra time. So go to my website and sign up for that. And then... Um, you will be the keynote then on Saturday. There will be a parade. You'll be the keynote, and there will be VIP uh, seating for that as well. So go to my website, sign up for that. The value for that is $300. And I'm just really excited. And just very quickly, if you give us a quick uh, description of your new movie and when that will be coming out. Um, well, actually, I've got, I've got five movies coming out over the next year. Wow. <laughs> I've got uh, three three documentaries and I'm about to start filming another one called ghetto tears in uh, Georgia in November. Uh, so actually October, it's going to be October. 
Um, so, yeah, just, just staying busy. But the one that's hitting the film festivals right now is called Miracle in East Texas. It's a true story set in 1930s about two con men played by myself and John Ratzenberger that would woo widows out of their money on fake oil wells. Um, they, they always sold 500% of the shares. They would declare a dry hole and then a bust out of town and go do it again at the next town. Um, when they got to uh, a certain area in, in East Texas, they actually strike oil. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's been interesting in film festivals. They can't seem to pigeonhole what kind of genre it is. It won Best Romantic Comedy in Houston. It won Best Family Movie in uh, Orlando. It won Best Narrative Film in Vegas. It won Best Faith Film in uh, Franklin, Nashville. And won Best Movie just recently up in Steamboat. So we've got four more um, events we're going to, and I love the fact that it's sort of all over the place. It's, it's a good family movie. I, I definitely call it a comedy. Uh, it is a true story, as I said, but uh, we got Lou Gotson Jr. in it. Uh, my wife, Sam Sorbo's in it. She did an amazing job in it. We got uh, Tyler Maine. Tyler Maine is known to the WWF world. He's also known to the X-Men crowd as Sabretooth. Well, great. Well, excited about that and really excited about seeing you up at uh, U.S. Constitution Week in Grand Lake, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. So, Kevin, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. I'll see everybody on the 20th and the 21st there in Grand Lake. Looking forward to it. Oh, it'll be a lot of fun. So thanks so much. So, Okay, Jason McBride, let's jump back in here. There's several things I wanted to uh, chat about. First of all, in 2010, <clears throat> under the Obama administration, the student loan program was um, put in government hands. It was taken out of private hands where banks used to make loans, student loans, and you know a kid would have to come in and talk about what he was going to study, he or she was going to study, and agree to pay that off. And in 2010, the government took it over under the Obama administration, and the debt has just ballooned, and the costs have gone up, and uh, and the the uh, piece that. Um, Patty had found here is that perhaps it was one of the um, biggest accounting frauds in the history uh, of our uh, of America, <clears throat> and this was from Finance Yahoo, and it said the Wall Street Journal's editorial board recently suggested that the Obama administration pulled off the biggest accounting fraud in history with student loans when eliminating the role of private lenders in the federal student lending market in 2010. Democrats nationalized the market to help pay for Obamacare, the Wall Street Journal asserted. The Congressional Budget Office at the time forecast that eliminating private lenders would save taxpayers $58 billion over 10 years. This estimate was pure fantasy, and now we are seeing how much. The Wall Street Journal op-ed also highlighted the rising number of severely delinquent student loans since then, and blamed the Obama administration for expanding plans in 2012 for new borrowers to reduce defaults, buy off millennial voters, and disguise the cost of its student loan takeover. The Wall Street Journal argued that eliminating private lenders from the student loan market severely hurt Americans, and that by using fair market accounting, it becomes clear that student loans will actually cost taxpayers Nearly, nearly $307 billion over the next 10 years. I'm not quite sure how this should cost taxpayers anything, Jason McBride, because I think if people t 
take loans out, they are supposed to pay those off, right? Well, uh, you signed the paperwork, you agreed to it, even if the terms were poor. Uh, I mean, it's unfortunate, but yes, I agree. If you if you take out a loan, uh, you should be responsible for paying it back, and the taxpayer shouldn't have to uh, take on the burden. But yeah, I think when you look at uh, what happened here, Kim, this was uh, simply another uh, play. Uh, to younger voters to say we're going to give you free stuff, and that free stuff it was uh, we're going to change the way you have to make your payments where it's dependent on your income, uh, which could get the payments way, way down. And then if you remember, uh, there was the big talk about, you know, if you haven't paid the loan off after 20 years, we're just going to forgive the loan and and let it go altogether. So uh, I don't know how... Uh, anybody in their right mind could have thought that that was a good idea to tell people to delay paying the loan as long as possible because then maybe you can get out of it. Well, and let's think about this, Jason. And this, how is this fair? <clears throat> let's say that somebody decides to go to trade school or they decide to start a business instead of, of going to college. Now, I only have a semester of college. But I graduated with a, a good, uh, at that time it was a good public education, mm-hmm. um, you know, had an understanding of the American idea, can read and write and speak relatively well, and, um, and also the idea that in America anything is possible. And so what if somebody decides that they're not going to go to school for the four-year program? And, of course, then what you saw back then is uh, if, in fact, when they, they got out, they couldn't find a job. Many kids then went to graduate school and took on more debt. Right, and still couldn't find a job. Right. So how is it fair, then, that somebody that didn't go to school, let's say somebody has a welding business or something like that, how is it fair that they, if they didn't go to college, have to pay taxes to pay for somebody else's college. How is that okay? Well, I don't think it's okay in any way, shape, or form. Uh, another uh, group of people that it shouldn't be okay for is those that took out student loans and sweated and toiled and dripped blood and tears and whatever to pay those loans back. Right. Now, if these other loans are going to be forgiven, shouldn't they get a refund for part of theirs? Yeah, that's a that's a good I mean, point it's as well. Not fair if they don't. Well, that's for sure. So anyway, the other point though, the takeaway no. on this is what government did is uh, they took over the student loan program, and then by force they are now wanting to uh, forcibly take money from one person right. to give it to another, and um, that is not okay. And uh, so once again, one, and the, one other thing I want to mention is once you got government into the, this business, the costs go up. Right. So you can see any, like, RTD bus or train or you can be in an airport and you see all the different colleges. They're all, come here. We're, your future will be great if you come and take out student loans and, and go to our school. And then kids get out and they're like, wait, I, I, I don't have that six-figure job and I don't have that corner office. But you can be anywhere and you can see just by the advertising, that there must be a bunch of money involved there. Well, and uh, the schools are uh, responsible for paying some of those loans back if the kids don't get a good job, right, Kim? They should. I agree. I oh. thought that. I, I totally agree with you, but no, that's not the you, case. You detected my <clears throat> sarcasm right away? Yeah, I did. And, okay. one, and one other point then. How about instead of the taxpayers having to pay off these loans, Jason, how about these college endowments? Why don't, why don't they start to pay off those loans? What do you think about that? You know, I don't think that a lot of these schools are real big on accountability. 
I think once they've got the money and uh, the responsibility for dealing with the debt uh, is on somebody else's hands, it's kind of like, you know, Mm -hmm. wipe our hands and on how are we going to get the next batch in the Mm -hmm. door? Mm -hmm. I think that's true. So maybe we should start to tap some of the endowments to pay off these loans if that's what, in fact, they want somebody else to pay off these loans. Um, I think that that would start to bring the cost down of college as well. Well, or use those endowments to offer more scholarships coming directly from your school. Well, the other thing is, remember when there used to be scholarships and then it went to needs-based? Right. You know, when did that happen? You know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, people are um, a meritocracy, that they're working hard, that, that people are rewarded for their merit. And we, when we got into all this needs-based and all these uh, looking at people as groups, once again, you start to see that this plays out and it doesn't play out well. You know, it's funny you bring that up. It makes me remember uh, back when I was in high school. You know, there was there was one. Did you ride a horse to school? I did not ride a horse to school, but it oh, was uphill both my. ways <laughs> in in the snow. In the snow. Well, was that a shot at me on my age? No. Oh, I'm, okay. I sorry, just it was Steve. It was Steve. Oh, that was Steve. Did <laughs> yeah. it? Okay. How? How long ago has it been since he got you with the drive-in? Never comment? mind. Let's keep going. Oh, but yeah. Do I you just have think... that recorded, Steve? Yes, we do. Okay. But uh, <laughs> the payback, I think it just now happened. Uh, just there now. you go. Well, yeah. I didn't get it, so I really uh, wasn't much for payback. Okay, so, wow. But anyway, we'll go back. When you were in high school. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there was one guy in my class. Uh, his name was Keith. This guy got every scholarship known to the human race. I mean, he got, he won all of them. And I think he actually became a rocket scientist. I think he actually went to work for NASA. The point is, you know, I remember we didn't have all of this, this social justice and unfair. And I never for one minute thought, well, that's not fair that he got it and I didn't. I, I was kind of admiring him and saying, Wow, that's great. He And he worked harder than I did. He worked harder than mm-hmm. everybody. I mean, he studied. He did all the right things he was supposed to do. He figured out what they were looking for to give the scholarships, and he did it. And he deserved every darn one of those that he got because he worked harder than everybody else. And I, and I totally agree with you on that. So one other thing, I know we're running a little long on this, but I wanted to finish this up. <clears throat> one of the the remedies that they're talking about is uh, that that um, kids will start to pay their loans back based on their income, and it's like, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, it's the same amount. So you're you're in essence, you're kind of socializing that whole program as well. If you say you're going to take out these loans, and I actually heard a kid that said that he was able to take out thirty thousand dollars in loans sitting in his base parents' basement you know, filling out a form, and he actually used the money to go um, on a tobogganing trip or, or on a kayaking trip. And so, you know, there was something really wrong with that whole thing, and we need to make sure that we're accountable. And, of course, you have all these Democrat candidates out there, free college, free college, free college. It's not free. Somebody has to pay for it. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, first thing, let's talk about the market. Uh, you always are watching that, uh, Jason McBride. So uh, we'd like to look at that. And then you found something really interesting about uh, hush puppy shoes. So we'll talk sure. about that, too. So we'll okay. be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. 
updated three times a day. CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today. This week at the 88 Drive-In, keep your windows rolled up and your vehicles locked because things are about to get creepy. Friday the 6th through Thursday the 12th, see three scary movies for $9. It. It Chapter 2 and Scary Stories. Monday through Thursday, get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot, along with two 16-ounce sodas, all for only $12. Plus, new this week, sip on some hot apple cider, along with a sweet, crunchy churro. We're open seven days a week, so get directions now on the 88 Drive-In Facebook page or 88drivein.net. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson. We are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And thrilled to have in studio with me, Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. You are a valued partner of, uh, of me, as well as uh, we just heard the the. Uh, ad for Vino and Veritas, and thank you for that as well. It's a study of the Federalist Papers. So you have a real, you have a real love of the American idea, Jason McBride. I do. I still think uh, America is the greatest country uh, ever. It's the greatest country on the face of the planet, and I am a proud and un- unapologetic American. Me too. Can I make a comment there? Sure. When he says that. I know him well enough to say it's not just because he lives here. It's because he's analyzed the way things are done here in this country versus anywhere else in the world. And I think that's the basis for what he's saying, not just because he lives here. Right, but he has an understanding of this American idea of the that the Constitution was put in place to protect each individual's right of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And that's when, that's, when that plays out, it's really good stuff. That's my editorial opinion of the day, so carry on. Thank you, Producer Steve. Okay. Appreciate that. So, hey, let's jump over here, though. There's a lot of great information. Uh, last, I, last week or the week before, we were talking about this head and shoulders uh, um, Oh, what pattern. You, pattern, pattern, I guess a pattern, yes. yeah. So um, what, what, what are you seeing right now? Well, I think it's... <laughs> kind of been negated that head and shoulders is uh, can be a negative pattern if it if it completes and a couple of weeks ago Kim I was getting a little bit nervous because right. 
Uh, it looked like the market was was about to complete one, uh, but I think we've negated it. Now, it doesn't mean that everything's perfect and guarantees were going straight up, but, uh, you know, when we uh, broke above 29.54 on the S&P last Thursday, uh, that broke above the, the top of the, uh, of the left shoulder uh, that kind of negates that pattern. Uh, but it was looking a little bit rough. We got a 7% drop over about a, a week period. Uh, the market bounced. It had uh, what we call a follow-through day on August 13th. Uh, you know, the very next day, though, we got pounded uh, right out of the chute. So uh, that kind of put the rally in doubt before it even got started. We got another big bounce. And then, as you remember, we got plowed again, down about 800 points on the Dow. Uh, but the key was is that the market never broke below that 28.22, which was the low it hit after that first sell-off. Things did look a little bit ugly, but it never broke below that. And then on September 5th, we had a nice uh, bust higher. We had a big, uh, decent increase in volume on that move up, which I always try to watch the volume and the price as well. Uh, so so the market looks like it's trying to, to come out of this pattern. Uh, I I still think we're kind of in the time of the year where uh, it's a little doldrumish. I still wouldn't be surprised to see a sell-off or uh, unproductiveness. But if we can get through uh, September, most of October, uh, November through May, or, or historically at least the most productive six months for the markets. Well, and during that time, wasn't that when we were having politicians and pundits and and all that they were uh, – kind of rooting for a recession wasn't oh, that did all they happen- stop no no oh. they have not stopped yeah um yeah that that's uh i don't think that had much to do with it sorry to disappoint you all uh, i think it was more again uh you know trump saying okay china you're not playing ball you're violating the rules, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with more tariffs. Mm-hmm. It was more of the China trade war thing. That emotion in the market, then. That's okay, right. okay. Um, let's see. Let's go. Let's talk a little bit about the jobs reports because mm-hmm. uh, uh, what is that telling us? They just what do they come out um, once a month? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. You know what I wanted to talk about, uh, Kim, was it's interesting that there's actually two jobs reports. You know, a lot of people uh, kind of catch this, and I've been confused about it, but the uh, the the official jobs report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics comes out on the first Friday of every month. Okay. Uh, but there's another jobs report from uh, ADP, which that's a private company, and they release a jobs report about two days before. Okay. So there's, there's a couple of differences. Uh, the BLS report, of course, comes from a government agency. Uh, the ADP report, though, comes from a non-government business, and And the ADP report gathers the data because ADP is a payroll company. Mm -hmm. So they're actually looking at actual payroll data from all of their their clients. Uh, The government report does it through surveys of asking businesses, uh, you know, to report back on a survey. And that's why we get a revision. 
Have you noticed that? Mm -hmm. We get the yep. jobs report. A month later, we get the revision. Uh, I always like to joke that's because the government can't ever get anything right the first time. Uh, <laughs> it's actually because about 70% of the numbers come in for the first report. Uh, the second revision, it's about another 20% finally get around to responding. And there's actually a third revision as well, uh, but you don't see a lot of changes in there. Okay. And uh, so you're pretty far down the road when you get to that third one. So, right. so now what's the difference then? Which, and do you think one is more reliable than the other? You know, it, it's interesting. You know, my first uh, thing, because there, there's a chart here that I sent you, Kim, and isn't this interesting? Mm -hmm. Let's see. The dark blue line is the ADP one. Mm -hmm. The light blue line is the government one. And right here, you know, you look how they've kind of stayed pretty close together right up until Trump got elected. And then all of a sudden, the one from ADP, the private one, was showing way more jobs, while the government one was showing jobs shrinking. Mm -hmm. And my first thing was, is, are these deep state people manipulating the jobs report because Trump got elected to try no. to make it look worse? Um, so I went back. And, and I actually studied uh, both jobs reports, the ADP one and the official one, since Trump got elected. And okay. my uh, conspiracy theory, I don't want to be fake news. If I was the fake news, Kim, I would only talk about this chart, right? Okay. okay. But that's not the case. Uh, there are differences in the numbers. Uh, sometimes they're wildly different in one given month, but then they usually kind of catch up to each other or balance out over the next couple months. So here's here's the total numbers. Since uh, Trump was elected in November 2016, uh, we've had 34 jobs reports. Okay. Exactly 50% of the time, the ADP report has shown more jobs growth. And exactly 50% of the time, uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics initial report has shown higher jobs. But the cumulative totals, Kim, <coughs> excuse me, the BLS revised uh, since Trump's election, we've created 6,483,000 new payrolls, and the ADP one comes out to about 6,599,000. So they're they're pretty darn close over a long period of time. Now, is that just private jobs, or is that also include government jobs? That is a good question. The ADP report uh, is non-farm payrolls, uh, but it does not include government jobs. The BLS report includes uh, government jobs as well. Okay, so that that would there actually is more of a discrepancy then because ADP the six almost says six point six million. That is does not include government jobs, right? Am I hearing that's that correct. correct? Yep, that's correct. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it is. And I'm sure there's a heck of a lot more that goes into these numbers that I'd really have to dig down into it. Uh, but you know, my initial concern when I saw this chart, though, was are, are they messing with the numbers to make Trump look bad? And I don't think that's the case. Well, okay, just I'm going to push back just a sure, little bit, though, ahead. because... Um, during the Obama administration, where there was jobs growth, was with both uh, government jobs and then and then uh, entities that depended on government funding for jobs. And so, if they're including that in the BLS 
report, then they're not including that in the ADP report, then there is maybe more of a discrepancy on private sector jobs. Maybe that's where I'm headed at, on private sector jobs. There there certainly could be, Kim. I understand what you're saying. Uh, For example, uh, you know, this latest uh, report uh, showed 130,000 new jobs. Uh, That was the initial from BLS, while ADP said 195. So there's a difference there. So uh, I think what you're saying is that the ADP report, would, if you wanted to get the true number, you'd want to take the ADP report and then uh, carve out which jobs in the BLS report were government jobs and add those to the exactly. ADP. Yeah, exactly. and that's a possibility. That's certainly a possibility. But the other thing on this, Jason, is think about this. and Let's look at the ADP numbers. 6.6 million jobs. What does that mean for 6.6 million families? I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah, that is a huge deal. And, uh, you know, we we talk a lot about it, and I'm starting to kind of see a a skip in the step of a lot of folks. And the fact that we have uh, pundits and politicians that are trying to tap down this economy and try try to get people thinking there might be a recession instead of doing, you know, their job is to stay out of the way so that people can go after their hopes and dreams. Well, and in all this recession talk, you know, it's probably not going to affect a lot of decision-making, maybe for great big corporations, because they've got all kinds of studies and data. Mm -hmm. But for, let's say, a mom-and-pop business, where they're making a decision maybe to hire one more employee. That could be a big it decision. Can be a bi- it, yep. You know, this this kind of rhetoric could cause some hesitation there. So, uh, you know, could it become a self-fulfilling prophecy that they create a recession? I think it'd take a little bit more than that. But as you said, I think you just just use the word a little bit of a damper. I think this this negative rhetoric certainly could put a little bit of a damper on the growth if you get businesses that are, are a little f- bit afraid to hire. They're a little bit afraid to take to, to buy a new piece of equipment mm-hmm. that's expensive. Uh, so I think it's tough. But I'll make one prediction here, Kim. Whether or not we're in a recession, when we're getting close to election time, you're going to hear the media say that we're in a recession. I think you're right. Over and over, they're going to say we are. Uh, The Democrats, I believe, will say we are, uh, irregardless of what the numbers say, because if you just keep uh, repeating a lie, it becomes a truth. Who was it that said that? Um, I don't know. It was a politician. It was. I, I, that, I can't remember which one it is. I don't know either. Yeah, but uh, someone will know. One of your smart listeners. Will yeah. Know. If you know, text me. Maybe maybe Patty will get on that right immediately. Yeah, Patty so, will find out. So hey, let's go to break. When we come back, I think we kind of finished both of those things, yeah, right? Okay, I think good. So uh, you found this really interesting um, soundbite from Stuart Varney and uh, the Hush Puppy Shoes CEO, and it's just fascinating. So this is Kim Munson. In studio is my valued partner, Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. Go to my website, americhicks.com, and sign up for our Nuts and Bolts event on September 16th, and we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. 
Karen Levine comes highly recommended by Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the Americhicks. Since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson. We are looking at issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And uh, Steve, uh, Jason had, had uh, given the quote, if you repeat a lie often enough, uh, people start to believe it's the truth. And we're like, who said that? And you were, you found out. Joseph Goebbels is that name rings a bell. He was the propaganda minister for Adolf Hitler. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. And uh, just a reminder that Nazis stood for the National Socialist German Workers' Party, socialist. And uh, socialism ultimately comes down to force. And if it's a really good idea, you don't have to force people. So Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management, you found a really interesting soundbite. Stuart Varney uh, on Fox News, on Fox Business and it was regarding the tariffs. So do you want to tee this up a little bit? Well, uh, yeah, Kim, it was pretty funny. I was uh, I watch Fox Business in the morning when I'm getting ready for work, and here comes Stuart on, and he's got uh, this little twerp from uh, Hush Puppies <laughs> on there, and he's asking him basically the question of are you going to pass you know, these tariffs on to your customers. And, you know, I've been saying for about six months now that that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, the American businesses were too good at negotiators. We're not going to take price hikes lying down. It, China's going to absorb a lot of these tariffs, and, and Americans aren't going to see these price hikes. Well, I think uh, Steve can play the clip, but it, it's uh, the part I found funny was... Uh, you know, the guy basically admits exactly what I just said, but he's still trying to squirm out of it and and say that Trump's a bad guy and all these horrible things are going to happen. So I guess I shouldn't steal the thunder, but uh, Steve's got the clip. I thought it'd be fun for the listeners to hear this. Okay, let's go ahead and start with the first clip. Hush Puppies, popular shoe brand, of course. Uh, Hush Puppies owned by Wolverine Worldwide, and that is a publicly traded company. It's one of 200 companies that sent a letter to President Trump asking him not to increase tariffs. Greg Tunney is with us. He is the global president of Hush Puppies. All right, Greg, uh, the, the tariffs went into effect on Sunday. Are you going to pass those costs on to the consumer? Will we pay more for Hush Puppies in America? Well, the biggest challenge, Stuart, good morning. Thank you for uh, letting us uh, be on the show today. The biggest challenge we have in the footwear industry is we're an industry that has been taxed for and tariffs on the, in the industry for over the last century. Uh, we paid in the last 20 years $30 billion in tariffs that go back to the Smoot-Hawley days, uh, back to Herbert Hoover. 
And the fact of the matter is, is now that President Trump wants to add another 15 percent on top of that. That's why you had over 200 footwork companies in the United States petitioned to President Trump not to put these into effect because we already have a regressive tax that actually yeah. taxes the poorest of the poor in the United States. Okay, Greg, I got it. But my question was, will you pass along these new tariffs in the form of higher prices to your customers in America? Hush Puppy is an interesting business. 90% of our business is done outside of the United States. And in the United States, we've already mitigated our sourcing model where we've taken our sourcing. And I have less than 30% of my total business in China. Okay, so let's stop that right there. So he said he said 90% of his business isn't even in the U.S., right? Right. And, and the exposure uh, that they had to China, he said that they've already taken steps to mitigate that. Okay. So... They're not just sitting there going, oh, well, we're going to have to pass these tariffs on to the poor consumer. Uh, they've taken steps to mitigate it, as any smart business would do. So, But it's a bit disingenuous to then send a letter to President Trump to say, uh, we don't want these tariffs on China. Because I had Helen Raleigh on yesterday, who right. uh, grew up in China, and she said that presidents, both sides of the aisle, have kicked this can down the road regarding dealing with China, and this is one of the last tools that that uh, is in the toolbox. And, you know, we like free trade, but we also like fair trade, and China hasn't been fair. No, and I, I agree with that. Uh, uh, President Trump has put it pretty succinctly, as he usually does, and said that America's or America has rebuilt China from the ground up, and I pretty much agree with that, with their uh, trade agreements that have been very disadvantageous to us, that our own politicians have allowed to go into place. Uh, I'm, I'm glad Trump's fighting, and if it's a little bit of disruption in the markets and the economy over the short term, uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly willing to uh, put up with that to end up with a, a better deal long term. Okay, you got it. So should we go to the next? I think we should. It yeah. gets better. Okay. Uh, so we do a, a significant amount of our production in India, uh, Vietnam, mm -hmm. Cambodia, other places around the world that will not be affected by this tax. So we've already taken uh, the steps necessary uh, to combat additional tariffs well, that uh, the China okay, thing so, in place. So the answer is no. Yeah, I, I'm not going to, if I buy a pair of hush puppies two months down the road, I'm not going to be paying any more than I, than I am now. Your answer is no, you're not passing this along to your customers. Well, and interesting, you had called that. You had said that a number of companies on these China tariffs, they would start to move their production to other countries, which in essence would help those countries. Well, right, and, and we'll make uh, Trump will make sure that our trade agreements with those uh, countries are fair as well uh, if they start to get out of line. But you know, the, a lot of other countries are are more than happy uh, to take that business and and try to trade fairly because they can still come out in a much better position than they are now, and it's good for the U.S. as well. Okay, and it's very disingenuous for this uh, CEO, I think, to send this letter. But I think there's one more. Uh, soundbite, right? Yeah, sure. Let's finish that when okay. you talk about it some more. For hush puppies, that's the case. Unfortunately, most shoe companies, a significant amount, you got to realize, out of the 2.5 billion pairs of shoes that are worn in the United States, 1.5 billion of them are made in China. So for many and most of the brands uh, that are purchased in the United States, they will have to take on that additional burden. Now, the value of the Chinese currency hit a new low this morning. 
That would mitigate price increases in the United States. We're also told that manufacturers in China are urgently cutting costs so they can absorb some of the possible price increases in America. Seems like everybody's bending over backwards to make sure that American consumers do not pay a higher price. Okay, Jason, what do you think? Well, there you go. Now, that was another thing. you know, that, that I brought up a few months ago. Uh, these buyers are going to go back to China, you remember. And, and I said they're going to say, we can't pass these uh, price increases on to our customer. You're going to have to lower your wholesale price that you're selling to us for. And this guy just confirmed it. Now, uh, you know, I, don't, I didn't want to come on here just to, like, toot my own horn, Uh you know, but I will say I was one of the first people I know that started saying, well, wait a minute, uh, this isn't the way this is going to go down, and now it's playing out. I think it, it, it's also funny that he, he mentions uh, somehow that Wolverine Worldwide, the company that he runs, must be the only smart one out there. Every other company is just going to lay down and take it. You know, because he said uh, there's two and a half billion pairs of shoes in the U.S. and one and a half billion are made in China and all all these other poor companies are are not as good as we are. Really? I disagree. Uh, how many of, of the shoes, I wonder, that come in from China, these cheap tennis shoes, uh, are sold at Walmart? Uh, you, do, you, do you think Walmart is laying down and telling China, yeah, we'll just pass this on to our customers? I think that's highly unlikely. Uh, I wonder how many pairs of shoes Nike sells every year out mm-hmm. of those $1.5 billion. Uh, Not that I'm a big fan of them at this point, but I highly doubt that Nike is just laying down, if they have any production in China, and saying, yeah, just go ahead and stick us with those higher prices. We'll pass them on. Well, and Jason, you brought up, and again, I I, uh, I heard you say this before almost anybody else did. So thank you for being on top of that. And you heard it first on this on this particular show. But what we see here is we see that these CEOs are trying to force the hand of uh, President Trump. And ultimately, President Trump is trying to stand up for the American consumer right. and Americans. And so... I want to kind of say shame on them. So, hey, we're out of time. Thanks for being here, Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management. It's great to have you here. Welcome. Thanks, Kim. Thomas Sowell said, what is ominous is the ease with which some people go from saying that they don't like something to saying that the government should forbid it. When you go down that road... Don't expect freedom to survive very long. That's Thomas Sowell. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.